Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Flimsy staying slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A R M O D I L O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about the three promoted sides struggling to adapt to life in the Premier League. Is this the weakest trio to come up in some time. We preview the Champions League with Newcastle co-owner and director Jamie Rubin and on the show we were joined live in studio by top boxing promoter Frank Warren as we build up to Joe Joyce versus Zhili Zhang, the rematch live on TalkSport on Saturday night. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. The new clubs have found life back in the the, the Premier League pretty darn tricky, yep. to be quite honest. Yep. Uh, Burnley went in against Forest last night. Burnley still await their first league win after they were pegged back by Forest. Now I'm not getting at you here, and this is by no means uh, a dig at you, but your Crystal Palace on promotion in 2004 took eight games to get your first Premier League win, and you'll remember that well. Uh, it was a 2-0 win at home to Fulham, Fulham in October. Yeah. Andrew but Johnson scoring. Yep. Andrew Johnson, that an early mention <laughs> of AJ. But your first seven games, Simon, Palace lost five, drew two, beaten by Everton, Chelsea, Borough, Portsmouth, and Manchester City. You yeah. drew with Norwich and Villa. Was there a spell during that spell? You thought, oh God, are we ever going to get this going? No, not at all. I mean, in those games, we played Norwich first game of the season in a way which was disappointing because they'd been promoted with us first game of the season. So you were exactly playing someone you'd played the previous season before. Um, we played Everton and we, we should have won that game. We were in all these games. And that's where our goalkeeper, Julian Spironi, uh, got nicknamed Julian Spilloni because he, he, he pushed a goal in the back of the net from Patrick Berger for Portsmouth. We were in all these games and we were making mistakes. My biggest issue was with this sort of contrite attitude we appeared to have. We appeared to be a little bit passive about and a little bit thankful for being in the Premier League and I remember doing an interview not that it matters what I said about having a bit like Chris Wilder did but Chris Wilder has had a position of influence with the players that I'm not grateful to be in the Premier League I don't feel that I have any gratitude for being here I'm here because we're entitled to be here and I hope our players feel the same way and I felt for the first five or six games we were a little bit awestruck or a little bit timid yeah. and a little bit the, the players were you wouldn't be no I wasn't and I certainly wasn't in people's boardrooms who were very delighted to have me in there after <laughs> after, after after I'd received a, a notification from Richard Scudamore they wanted to have a meeting with me before I came into the Premier League to advise me about my expected behaviour which I told them to go forth and multiply on um, <laughs> what but did they think you were going to do I, they thought I was going to cause mayhem and, and, and mirth in equal measure I suspect um, <laughs> but but um, we, we I mean the, 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 when we got our boots on was against Fulham I mean we got relegated in the last game of the season so you know the bottom line is is that you, if you can get a good start or you can get a good end then you find yourself surviving in the Premier League but equating it to what's happening 
now um, because I was thinking about this specifically yesterday about these three sides that have gone up Sheffield, Luton and Burnley and they're very different in all their different guises because really and truly if you look at Sheffield United Sheffield are playing with a great deal of resolution but not a great deal of attacking quality because you expect that because that's what the very fabric of that club is but they've had some of their best players taken away there's no investment gone into that side so you're looking at a side that's got no real opportunity besides a coach that's going to dig deep into the psyche of the players and say we make people battle for every single point and unfortunately for Sheffield that means the quality that others have will overcome them yeah. then you look at Luton and Luton have spent nothing with due respect they're, they didn't expect to be there they, they're redirecting some of the money into the stadium and possibly it might be priced into their thinking that relegation wouldn't be an awful thing Yeah, yeah. and then you look at Burnley who are the, are the, are the sort of different one of the pack because they have spent money but Vincent Company to me looks like he's trying to play a brand of football which is exactly the same way he played in the championship and I'm not sure that's going to cut it in this league Right. So he may have right. to adapt. So, might... so you tell me this is the weakest trio that's come up for no, some time. I'm saying this: all three have challenges for different reasons. I mean, Swansea came up many years ago and played a brand of football that people said they couldn't play in the Premier League, and they did for several seasons, True. and they superseded True. that knowledge. Yeah. But it looks to me like company, and I think he interviews brilliantly, I think he comes across brilliantly, I think he's interviewed post-game yesterday, very calm, very lucid, not being drawn into the nonsense of criticising people because you haven't got outcomes that you wanted. Um but I do feel he's going to have to adapt. So Burnley's position is slightly different to Sheffield United and Luton's. And you look at previous years gone past. I mean, Forrest started the season last year, not being able to get any results, with Cooper looking like he's going to get fired, and £150 million of a spend. Fulham, a couple of years ago, came up, bought everybody that was not nailed down, and then got relegated yeah. because they bought the wrong players. Yeah. I do think that Sheffield and Luton are in for a long, hard season. And I think if Burnley perhaps don't adjust and become a little bit more realistic about the way that they have to play then they may find themselves in difficult positions. Do you know what? You make such a good point, Simon, about Vincent Company. I've always thought this, but he does interview so well. And post-match last night, you probably saw it at the end, if you saw it, Simon, Sander Berg, yep. uh, there was that handball yep. incident. Penalty not given. And of course, at that late stage in the game, that might well have won Burnley the football match. But how refreshing was it to hear Vincent Company speak like this? I've seen it back multiple times, but I think on all these things with with rules changing and stuff, and um, I, I think with the VAR and with with I think it, it's a good referee, so he checked it, he made the decision. I don't have that lawyer's passion to go with a fine tooth comb through every single you know legislation that there is on on on, on handballs and whatnot. The rules are in in the Premier League, so I just leave it to to the specialist and I move on. My team has to. The only thing we control is us and and there's good signs we we just need to get better again. Do you know how different is that to what Paul Heckenbottom was saying at the weekend? Um I love company yeah, for that. I mean yeah, I me too. Me too. I think it's an absolutely um uh, commendable way to operate. Um, why he operates that way, I suspect, is because he's a very different character, comes from a very different background. You know, he's a leader uh, in a certain way in terms of the the, the 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 deliverables that he put into Manchester City. He's gone away. He's managed in Belgium for a few years, got himself into a position where he understands a little bit more about management. I'm not giving Heckenbottom a pass because I think his outburst was rather ridiculous. Um, and unnecessary um, and I think it pushes back against the sentiments that he and his fellow compatriots in the dugout have created which is a new culture where referees need to regain control of the game mm. because people like him and his players have created this temperature that's resulted in this situation with referees wanting to be more strident in their actions I mean we'll see I, I mean I'll, I, I have this 
cynical side of me that suggests that I watch, I'm watching Poster Coglu because I'm an admirer of him, his and thinking, I hope you don't get corrupted by this awful thing called the Premier League bug which turns you into prima donnas when you don't get what you want, you suddenly have far too much to say for yourself, it's unnecessary. I think there's no chance of that, don't well, you? I don't know, you know, company is going into Burnley, they're, they're unexpected, they're, there's limited pressure on them. Their fans will have an expectation of wanting to be in the Premier League but not a demand of it. And so he manages in a different respect but currently most things that he says and does yeah. are very, very sensible. And it's not about these wonderful, you know, cosmic insights into things. It's about common sense most of the time. And that's yes. the commodity that seems to be lacking so much in our is, society. Is it, as you said, though, Simon, he comes over as a leader, which I love about company. He does, yeah. And he's pragmatic. That's not what Adam, the Burnley fan, is saying, Simon. You see that message in front of us? Yeah. Um, morning, guys. It's uh, not about adjusting to the Premier League. It's about getting used to the VAR corruption towards the lesser teams. I miss the Championship as it was fun and unbiased. Adam from Burnley. Yeah, sure. But Adam, you're in the big time now. And they use VAR in the big time. And you've a big time manager in Vincent Company. I don't think corruption is a word in, in uh, company's vocabulary. Do you, Simon? He's getting on with it. The fans no, have got to I go on with I, it too. I, I don't think so. I mean, that's disappearing into conspiracy theory land. I mean, yeah, of course we do know that referees have made decisions. We heard Mike Dean talking with me a few weeks ago about his reaction to certain things, and that's not corruption, that's bad judgment. To turn it into corruption because it doesn't give you the outcome that you want. Yeah. I mean, let's have it right. Nottingham Forest aren't particularly, right now, a bigger team. They've got bigger ambitions because Maranekis is running around flapping his gums, telling everyone he's going to dominate English football. Yeah. But that, that isn't actually manifesting itself on the pitch. They survived in the Premier League last year. And they're okay this season, but they're not one of the bigger sides, are they? That's right. Let's have it right. No, that's right. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Champions League opener, group opener, AC Milan against Newcastle United. Newcastle back in the big time. Champions League football for them. They make their Champions League bow, if you like, tonight, 20 years on from their previous encounter in this European competition under the one and only Sir Bobby Robson when they were away to AC Milan. Now then, how are they going to do tonight? How does it feel being back? Newcastle fans arriving in big numbers this morning and many of them were over there last night. So they make their bow tonight for the first time in 20 years. I spoke to director and co-owner Jamie Rubin just as he was about to set foot in an aircraft to head over to Milan. And I said, so you're back in it. Champions League after 20 years. How does that honestly feel as a co-owner of this great football club? Tremendously proud to be going to a Champions League game for the first time in 20 years. It's terrific to see Newcastle on that stage. It's what we always wanted. It's what we always envisioned. Maybe a little bit sooner than we thought, but it's great to be there. And uh, I, I can't wait to get out there and watch our first Champions League game, as you said, in, in two decades. Jimmy, you've taken me beautifully to my next point. I mean, could you honestly have expected this one year in? How much has it changed plans now that it's come so soon in your tenure? Well, look, you know, we obviously had high ambitions for this club. We wanted this club to compete at the very highest level in domestically and in, in European club competitions too. It was definitely on the agenda, but you're right. Uh, we were always long-term investors and, and we were willing to take a patient approach to it. But it's great that it's come early. That's down to the hard work of everybody at the football club, from all the staff to, to the coach and the players and to our wonderful fans who, who support this club everywhere we go. 
Jamie, when you first arrived, was bringing Champions League football back to Newcastle always a clear goal and a target for you, for the Saudis, for the whole club? Absolutely. The whole consortium wanted Newcastle to compete at the highest levels of football. Of course, when we acquired the club just shy of two years ago, uh, our immediate pressing priority was to save the club from relegation. It was in a perilous position. Um, we brought a fantastic new coach and then from there we really we really kicked off and, and yes, Champions League football was always an aspiration of ours. It has come early, but that's a wonderful thing. That means that we can just enjoy it and be glad to be part of it. Is this almost being treated like a free hit in Europe this year? Or is, no. is, is there a set target, Jamie, in the competition? Or do, do you feel Newcastle can make a statement as the newcomers? Definitely no free hits. We're here to compete. We believe we can go uh, very far in this competition. Uh, the self-belief the team have, the coach have, the players have, and the ownership have means that we always want to progress and we always want to uh, show the, the quality we have on the pitch. And I'm sure we're going to give a great account of ourselves throughout the rest of the competition. It's a tough group. Let's be clear about that. But, you know, we welcome the competition and we say bring it on. Jimmy, the fans will love that. This is no free hit. We're in this because we're in it and we want to go as far as we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, it's a tough group. The players um, will give a great account of themselves, I have no doubt. And we'll see where it goes. But we're definitely no free hit. We want to compete in every single fixture. By that, do you expect and believe there will be plenty more European nights to come for Newcastle going forward? Again, we, you know, we have very high levels of ambition for this club. And of course, we've seen Newcastle's place playing in uh, the top uh, competitions and the top levels domestically and internationally. So, yes, we, we, we very much hope that we can continue to make the progress we have. It doesn't always just go up. There'll be plenty of blips along the way. We understand that. That's part of football. And we'll take those. But we're always here to compete at the top levels of football. And um, I very much hope this is the start of uh, many more European adventures. Domestically, it's fair to say it's been a slower start with three losses in the first five games. Is there still a calmness in the boardroom? Total sereneness, Jim. We, we fully, fully uh, back our, our coach and our players to make the best of the season. I've no doubt they will. As I said earlier, it doesn't always go for you. Don't win every game. You have to be patient, you have to be calm, and you have to back the experts on and off the pitch that we believe we have and the quality we have. And I'm sure it will, it will tell us it's been a tough start to the season with the fixtures and we've got a tough Champions League fixtures ahead of us. But we'll, we have the quality to, to do well and, and everybody backs our coach and our team to do that. Is tempering expectation then going to be the biggest challenge for Newcastle going forward, particularly over the next 12 months or so? Look, Newcastle fans want to see their club delivering and, and want to see their fans right at the top of, of football again. They deserve it. It's a massive, brilliant club. But I think there's an expectation amongst the fan base that we are doing things the right way. We are growing patiently. We're long-term investors and we're doing this organically. And so no doubt they'll want to be competing and they want to be winning. But they also understand there's a long-term process and we're all in it together. Jimmy, finally, as you set off to, to Milan now and, and many Newcastle fans going in that direction as well, it's important to you that you have an identity and a great relationship with the supporters, isn't it? You're in the boardroom and you've told me before it's a privileged position to be in that boardroom. But you also want the fans to know you're one of them, aren't you? I hope they see that. We, we definitely are passionate fans of this team and we are so grateful for the support that Newcastle fans have given us, not just the team. We appreciate the, uh, the lengths they have to go through to travel to each away game, to travel to... Milan, it's expensive, it's far, 
and they go each week and support and sing their heart out for our team. And often when we first bought the club, that was one of the few things we had going for us in the early days. And so we'll never forget the support the fans given us and the players. And uh, our commitment to them is to bring Newcastle forward and, 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 and bring a bright new chapter ahead of us. That was Jamie Rubin, uh, Newcastle co-owner, of course, one of the directors who will be in Milan tonight. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Flimsy staying slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This Saturday, it is the rematch. Joyce versus Zhang in a fight you can hear live on TalkSport. It's practically a cyclops now, Joe Joyce. Howard Foster and the doctor decided you can't fight one eye in this sport. Yeah, it's an eye for an eye again. Now I've got my eye done. Had the eye not closed up, I think Joe would have gone on to win that fight. But he lost. Joyce, he is in some trouble here. Joyce, again. That left hand, I couldn't get away from it. He's strong and powerful and experienced. It's Daniel Power! The reaction of the Chinese fighter showed you that he knew he had got Joyce in trouble and he absolutely has here. Oh, oh, big shot. shot! Big shot from Zhang! Joe Joyce in trouble! He waves the fight over and the Zhang camp go absolutely wild! Is there a rematch with Joe Joyce or not? I do whatever he wants to do. So if he wanted another fight, you'd have a rematch. Yeah, no problem. And that is exactly what has happened because Joe Joyce tasted defeat for the first time as a professional back in April. Uh, it was a TKO loss to the giant. Well, Joe's a big boy, but so is Zhili Zhang. Uh, and now they do it all again. Simon loves his boxing. Alongside him is the diminutive but very lovable Spencer Oliver. <laughs> and alongside him, Joe Joyce's promoter, the man who's be- behind uh, this fantastic rematch. And he is Frank Warren. Frank, hi to you, sir. 
Aye, to you, Jim. I'm surprised you came in and you're so jolly with uh, Simon and myself because of the amount of pestering and badgering we do of you. But you love it, really, do you? Well, it's business, isn't it? That's all it is. It's part of the game. And uh, you ask questions and valid questions, and I hope we give valid answers. And Frank's in such a good mood, by the way, because he's just spent 15 minutes with me out there having a chat, and that's sort of you know, picked himself up really? a little bit after thinking... He'd Probably made him feel better about his own life looking at you. <laughs> yeah. So you still come in in spite of that chat with Spencer in, Oliver? In, no, we come with Spencer. I, I was saying that, I, that I'm recommended that he should get a rise. He should be definitely getting what? a new contract. There you go. <laughs> You're negotiating a rise for somebody here at Talks <laughs> Oh, Frank, you've come to the wrong place. The other day I negotiated quite a sizable amount less to carry on here. No, I'm not. I'm joking. Frank, good to see you. So as we said there Joyce tasted defeat for this first time um, what's been the interest in this rematch because they're two huge huge guys they do it again and there's a lot of mutual respect between the two of them that's very true I mean they got great amateur pedigree both of them won silver medals in their respective Olympic games and both of them I thought both of them got robbed they should have won the gold medals and as pros they've done everything that's been asked of them and uh the first fight, I really did fancy Joe would win the first fight, and I was proved wrong. Um, Zhang, tremendous competitor. He boxed extremely well, Southpaw. He gave Joe a lot of problems, and Joe just couldn't overcome that Southpaw stance and the damage that it was causing to his eye during the fight, which eventually caused the referee to stop it because he couldn't see out of it. So this time round, he's got to come with a, a plan B. He's in with a guy who, who, who does fancy the job again. That's why he's here. And Joe knows that he can't afford to slip up on this because at his age and Zane's age, they've got to keep that seat, as I always say, at the top table. Um, eventually, there's going to be the mandatories are going to be called for the respective champions. And uh, as far as the WBO are concerned, the winner of this fight will be the interim champion. And we'll, we'll have to, um, the WBO champion will have to defend against them next year sometime, early next year. Frank, do you read anything into Joe Joyce coming in? Like, when he boxed, if we use Joseph Parker as an example, he boxed Joseph Parker and he weighed 19 stone free in that fight against Parker. And that, for me, was like a career best performance yeah. from him. He come in at 18 stone two against Zelie Zhang, who weighed 19 stone eight. What was the reasoning behind that? I mean, I think that was a huge mistake. I agree with you. I, I, you know, I was quite shocked when they announced the weights. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe they thought he was going to be more mobile. But... Um, it didn't work out, and I, I liked him at that way. He's the same against Joe Parker. Joe Parker was a, I thought it was a phenomenal performance, a good fight. Parker's a, you know, a decent, well, one of the top heavyweights in the world, and he'd done a job on him. So I'm hoping this time round, uh, the weight, if he comes in around that weight again, that's his, for me, is his optimum weight. That's the weight he boxes the best at. I hope we get the result on Saturday. Mm. Do you think, because obviously it's all about adaptability and whether Joe can adapt in this fight and get, you know, get round the southpaw style of, of Zale Zhang, who was very dangerous with that left hand, as, as we saw. But Joe was sort of sitting in the pocket a little bit too much and he was boxing like he was the guy that had that weight advantage on him and it sort of didn't work out that way. The shots seemed to be, when he was getting hit with those shots, it seemed to be rocking him like, you know, like he was feeling the punches a lot more at this yeah, lower well, weight. A, and, he's heavy-handed, saying it's no doubt about it. And you... But let's be honest, you know, Joe in his previous fights has taken shots. You know, he, he has taken shots to, to throw his punches. You know, he had to take a punch to land a couple. And this time around, it didn't work out. I just felt he just did not cope with a southpaw start. Do you think the... Um, do you think, because, I mean, he makes a big... It's almost like he's stuck in trade leading up to this fight. 
was his preparedness to take shots. And I've heard you talk about it before, about the fact that you'd prefer that he didn't take as many shots as he took. He took a lot of shots against Carlos Tackham, didn't he? And he's walked through these fights in terms of Joe Parker hitting with everything but the kitchen sink. And, and, and all I saw Joe Joyce do was breathe over the ropes once before he went and knocked him out in the ninth yeah. round. But do you think a lot of that might have been the weight difference in terms of the resistance? Because... You know, when I saw him come in the ring, because you normally see Joe coming in, and I saw him come in when, into the fight that we saw with Daniel Dubois behind closed doors, he looked absolutely huge. And when I saw him come in against Zhang, he didn't, obviously, and we can discuss the reasons why, because we said he's a stone and a half lighter. But do you think that would have done a lot to his punch resistance for, to be able to, to have taken the shots? Because he's going to take them again, because that's his style, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think that's a factor, there's no doubt about it. But the other side of it is, the shots that were being thrown, that jab, from that southpaw stance was causing him problems with his eye and his eye closed up and once you once your eye's gone and you can't see out your eye you do have a problem seeing shots coming it takes all the you know the where you would, could move out the way of a punch you sometimes you don't see it coming and what you're throwing yourself because you're only looking out of one eye it you know your, your shots won't land so mm. it affected him in a lot of ways but but I, and I genuinely believe had his eye not closed up I think, as the latter round, into the latter round. Because of his I fancied. Mm. That's what I fancied, but mm. it didn't happen. So this time round, you know, it, and he was hit with some strong shots. This time round, I hope he comes in at a, 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 a decent weight. And I hope that there's head movement, because there has to be head movement. Do you think mm. he underestimated? I mean, I I thought Zhang, and I think you think the same, I thought he beat Hogovic in that fight, or Hogovic yeah. nicked it anyway. Yeah. Um, do you think Joe underestimated him in the first fight because there was a lot of noise and Joe was again I make the point and I'm a big admirer of Joe I like him as a boy I like him as a fighter and I want him to be successful so it comes from that position but there was a lot of noise made about he was talking about how robust he was Joe and how he could take any shot and he didn't care about it and that seemed to be a badge of honour do you, do you get the impression from the training camp bringing him, in, bringing him in a stone and a half lighter than the other fella through to his attitude there was an element of pricing in some underestimation of saying, I think there might be this. I think there may have again been an element of that, but I can see also the thought process behind that. That if he's a little bit lighter, he'll move more. He can. He's got. He'll have more movement. But it just didn't work out. Very early in the fight, he was getting. He was mm. getting caught. And he just didn't, and, and that pattern didn't change. Why would he? Need, why would he need to be lighter against Zhang than he would against well, because Parker? Because Zhang hasn't got quick feet; he's got quick hands, right? Uh, yeah, but I think that they. I think the game plan was that Joe would use his mobility a little Correct. bit more and take Zhang into the second half of the fight, where we've then, seen Zhang fades and then wear him down. But I think, if anything, it worked against Joe Joyce, and he looked lethargic coming mm. in at that weight because he looked fantastic on the scales when you saw him. You know, look what Joe does is it, he's the juggernaut for a reason. Yeah, he comes forward. He's you know everything he does. Is just straightforward, yep. non-stop yep. working. That weren't there. Everything had gone. The punch, the punch resistance seems to have left Joe. The punch power seems to have left him, and he looked lethargic. That was that, that was my observation. Uh, 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 and I and I got to agree with that, Spence. It did. There's no doubt. About it. And as I say, you know, the in the injury did it for him, and that was it. Once that eye was gone, he was getting caught more and more mm. regular with it. And obviously, Zhang's a, you know, he's a top class. Boxer, both at amateur and pro, and he and he had a he had a target to aim for, and every and that's what he did, mm. and he just and 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 it just got worse and yeah. worse. The Fra stuff. Frank, what what about the outcomes and thereafter? Say say Joe Joyce loses, is it over for him? Say Joe Joyce wins, is there a tr trilogy? If he wins, then he is the WBO interim champion. He's the mandatory, and early next year there will be 
that they will those mandatories are going to be called. Now the next mandatory will be the IBF. The one after that will be the WBO. So next year, the winner of this fight will fight for the title. Would there be a trilogy? It wouldn't happen. I don't believe straight away, but I can see room for a trilogy because if Joe wins it, I'm sure that he'll want to sit on the, you know, sit on that title and 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 eventually meet the whoever's going to be the WBO champion. Right, actually. and if he loses... And the, I, the IBF, actually, the mandatory for that is Philip Hergovich. Correct. Correct. Right. That's right. What if he loses, Frank? If he loses, it depends how you lose. I mean, look, he's a, he's a quality fighter. It's not the end of the world for guys getting beat. They come back and... and but his age, being his, you know, the age he's at, he's 38 now, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Joe. Wow. Happy birthday, Joe. And... Uh, what what will what will happen is that if if he if it were to be the case, then he's got to work his way back into contention. I think he can do that. There's some good fights to be made out there. There's a great return match with him and Daniel Dubois to be had to be made. So there's lots of different fights that can be made. Do you think he goes on even if he loses? And we hope he doesn't. But I think if he does, I think it's, well, he goes on. It depends what guys he goes on in, doesn't it? Yeah. Because the difficulty is to keep him. Once he's at the top table, you want to keep him there, which is the re main reason I suspect why he's taken this rematch. And I was yeah. going to ask Frank, did you like this rematch for him? Because most people, not most people, but a lot of people, their immediate reaction was maybe avoid this one again. Um, but you you always were for it, or did you say to him, maybe we rebuild a different way? I see the rationale behind saying avoid it, because, you know, why don't you go for an easier job? Having said that, if he did that, then he's not in a position to, for a mandatory. Fight, for, to mm. fight as a mandatory. Mm. So for me, I think it's one of those where, I'm not going to use the use the word, but it's something or bust, mm. and that's yeah. what it's going to be. And that's yeah. why this fight is going to be a good fight the weekend. These yeah. guys are both... Both come into fight. They know what they know. What's on the table. So where is it? Is it Wembley Arena? Oh, it's Correct. Saturday night, yeah. uh, and it's live in Talk Sports. Yeah. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.